This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big 8 perfect champion. 93-7, the ticket veteran and Ortega connoisseur, Jake Bakovan. I like Ortega and I like Pepper. Coming at you live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Welcome back on the block here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. You can join us on the app or on YouTube, Twitch, Spotify, or any of the social platforms to include Twitter and Facebook. We're here from 4 to 6. We're in the second hour. We're going to have a little discussion talking right now about coaching versus talent. Does it matter? Is it just a cliche? Is it just somebody talking? And, or, or is this a real theory? Mickey Joseph said something about it, and we're going to dig into that a little bit here on the block in this second hour. You can always join us on the Sutter Hammond text line as well at 402-464-5685 to let us know what you think about it and what he said. So, Boxster, Mickey Joseph has now proven himself. Um, I'm going to say proven himself because um, it's not just what he has done here. We've yet to see what he's been able to do, but we know the talent in the top tiers of, of talent that he brought here uh, to Nebraska at the receiving core. But Mickey Joseph said something on Monday that I think caught the attention of many and in, in even our listeners, I think uh, would love to hear exactly what he said. And, and, and I thought, I think it's pretty important. So we definitely would love to hear your, your thoughts on it. He said, I might push back on it, but we'll see. He said, coaching can't overcome recruiting. Let me say that again. Coaching can't overcome recruiting. Joseph stated this uh, to reporters following Monday's practice, that you can't win with bad players. True, facts. I don't think you can win with bad players. Well, we're going to find out with Northwestern. Uh, when we when, when they play them in a, in a few weeks, we're going to find out because I don't think Northwestern has near the talent on paper that Nebraska has. But I I, I think coaching is going to determine whether they're a well coached team with bad players and can they beat a more talented team with solid coaching. We're going to see. Um, this theory is going to be tested. You need good players for that. He said, I always joke with them and say that I'm not that good of a coach. I need talent. I need you to be a talented kid because at the end of the day, you're playing power five football. So here's something to think about. The reality of it is, is this, I think. I think he that, that is in some form a true statement, but I also think that coaching is important, and I also think that talent and and can only take you so far. And then at some point, your Garrett Nelsons arrive, and your Grant Wistroms arrive, and because they've been coached well, their technique, they've got a fire 
you know, in a motor that runs nonstop. And you, those are the things that talent can't overcome. That's the way I view it. So I do have a little pushback with that, but I, 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 I can't question his resume. That's right. You know, I, I, I can fight a lot of things, but I can't question his resume. And his resume speaks for itself. So at LSU, he was responsible for developing some of the best receivers in the country. In 2019 alone, he brought together the best group of receivers, and some would say in SEC history, with Jamar Chase, pro bowler, Mm -hmm. one of the best right now as a rookie to do it in the league, Justin Jefferson, Terrence Marshall, those are three starting receivers that he put together that had an impressive 241 receptions that gave Joe Burrow just weapons galore and 3,991 yards with 51 touchdowns. Mike. Do you, do, you, <laughs> do you buy in? Are you drinking the Kool-Aid? Are you sipping the wine on what Coach Joseph just said? Well, I, 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 I give a tip of cap to him for at least saying it. And you know what? Just about in any profession, if you belittle yourself a little bit, maybe it makes you more approachable or, uh, you know, more likable or whatever. So maybe that's what he was kind of going for. And that probably helps his players is kind of tell you, hey, this is more your talent. I'm just here to, to be the guy that, that pushes you in the right direction, pushes the right buttons. Um, but clearly, I was, we've seen over the years, um, I think I've, I believe uh, quite a bit less than I did at one time that coaching like there, that there's quarterback gurus that a guy could just take me and turn me into, uh, you know, a power five quarterback or take a lower level power five quarterback and turn him into an all big 10 player. So what are they doing at Georgia? Uh, well, Stetson Bennett, I'm not sure if he's developed quite that long. He's got quite a bit of a, a team around him. So that certainly helps. Okay. I'm just saying, I, I think at time, like I, I, the reason I say that is because Scott Frost was considered a quarterback guru. Jim Harbaugh was considered a quarterback guru. I always go back to Mac Brown had a string of quarterbacks for a decade that you're just going, wow, this guy really figured something out. And then for five years, he didn't have a quarterback and they fired him. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, and then he got Sam Howell back going at North Carolina. So I think that there is a lot to be said for you have to have the talent. And, you know, you can do the best uh, with what you have. You can make certainly guys, if you're a great coach, you can make average guys into good guys. But I don't, I don't know if you can get to that next level of making an average guy great unless that talent is there, that potential is there to begin with. Um, obviously, though, there, it, it, the, the answer is there's, there's a lot in the middle there. It's trying to figure out where exactly in the middle that lands. Well, Natural Bornsker agrees with you. You know, he says you need talent, and it also has to be one that is coached well. So it has to, so you know, it sounds like it has to be a combination of something, you know, a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Like, but here's the here's here's a dynamic, right? What did St. Peter's do last year? I mean, there there was just a hodgepodge of young city guys that came together with chips on their shoulders, but were well coached. And when they got in the portal, they didn't really like show up in the North Carolinas no, and because their talent level wasn't necessarily, but they competed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So does it work different from football into basketball? Uh, I think to a degree. I also like, because I, you can shoot as and, weird. Yeah. I mean, you can get, or, yeah, or I mean, part of it. Yeah. Just have a few hot games or whatever. Um, I also think that sometimes we play the result a little bit too much. That that's what propelled the St. Peter coach, Jamie Hollowell. 
I believe I can't remember his name uh, to to get his next job. Um, but a lot of this time, I mean, when you it, it, you know why why does it not translate to the next the next step? Right, Fred Hoiberg's certainly been able to coach. Was it all talent at Iowa State? Or was there some coaching that hasn't translated to Nebraska? I, I just think um, that sometimes we play the result and then, you know, there's nothing else. I mean, that we, we live in one reality, so you, that, that you don't have anything else to go off of. But it doesn't always translate to the next place. And so I think there's a lot of small little details, or not small details, they end up being big things, but... If you would have gotten this guy or this assistant coach or, um, you know, we just won this game, would that have put some momentum in your recruiting moving forward? Um, I think there's a lot more gray area in sports than we like to admit. We just yeah. like to play the result, which, as I'll always say, especially in tournament fashion, it's a one-game sample size. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it's it's mayhem. It's crazy. That's why they call it March Madness. Is it, you know, anybody, the best team can lose if they have one bad half. That doesn't mean they're, they're a worse team than the team that beat them. That doesn't mean they're a worse team than the team that wins up winning the championship. Well, I will say that I think it, it has something to do with combination because when I've had other coaches that gave me some insight and some wisdom or that I've worked with, I found that my best work was done when Kiki Vandaway worked with me. That was my best year. That was, I, I was the most solid, the most confident. But yeah, I had talent. But it was like he helped take that talent and mold it into something that was, I mean, they were giving me isolations. Like it was, it was like, we need a bucket. We're going to strict right now. Yeah. I mean, it was, but he helped in that manner to take what was a talented mold and help to formulate it into something unique and different. And so I do think, I, I will say, I will venture to say that I think it is a combination. I think it's a combination because I think Nebraska had talent last year, but I also think they, they there was a disservice done in the coaching. Hmm. So that's what's going to be the thing that I'm watching for this year, especially early on. You know, the discipline, the, you know, like, like we used to watch the basketball games last year. And it was, it was, it was, I was so befuddled all the time because I was seeing the same stuff. I was seeing them come off of pick and rolls and no, I'm knowing where the best options were for the next one twos or the next that to the drive to the next. I'm seeing it, but they're not executing and doing it or not learning from it. And I think that's what we saw in football. Mm -hmm. We saw the continuation of the same different issues happening from game to game and it was like it wasn't corrected it wasn't addressed they didn't look them in the face and say this needs to be handled and now corrected now not tomorrow not next week but right now so I think it is a combination of both and hopefully we'll start to see that in the shifts that have happened the girls have been getting it oh yeah it seems like you know the, the softball team you know, just came out of, just emerged. I mean, they were solid. We knew they were going to be good. They emerged out of nowhere. But we also know that the, the baseball team was just as talented as they had from last year. But what what happened this year? You know, is it bad timing? Is it injuries? What is it that turns the table of making you go from, you know, a, a real solid team with with prospects of, 
great success to all of a sudden you just are garbage. Well, I, I think, I mean, we see it happen every year. I mean, that's what we kind of previewed the top 25 this year in college football. And I think it's like 19 of the last 20 years, one of the top 10 teams has finished under 500. I mean, you see it every year. A great team, Iowa State, North Carolina, good examples of that last year. Um, going into the season with preseason, top 10, uh, you know, Clemson throw them in there. Obviously didn't fall nearly as much as those teams did. But uh, preseason, there were top 10 teams. They're expected to be in the hunt. And then, you know, by midseason, you just, you wrote them all off because they weren't in the race anymore. Uh, I think that there is a, a, a two. Um, again, when I go back to my playing the result factor, I think there's also um, a lot more uh, teams are a lot closer to <laughs> are a lot more frail than we actually probably think they are. Right. If you can keep winning those games and keep it going, um, then, you know, you get the momentum going, you get the confidence in the locker room and it can lead to from one thing to the next. But it, it just feels like you see it every year is that, you know, teams take these big drop offs. And part of it is maybe you you were new. You did something surprising. Uh, the, the other coaches weren't ready for the last year. And then the other factor is that I, I don't think we really play in too much that I, I don't think we give enough attention to is, you know, the opponents that you play year and out, they're trying to win too. Like they're making adjustments They're They maybe are more hungry if you beat them last year and then they come in, they've been thinking all off season. What do we do to get over Nebraska? Well, Nebraska's thinking, what do we do to get over? Oh, the teams that we lost to. Yeah. Um, I'm 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 in the I'm in the bag of combination. I'm gonna stay with that. Yeah. Um, because I know that there's no question when I was playing that we had the second or third best team in the Big Big Eight. There's no question. And for us to fall to the bottom, there's something to it. And to me. I think it was a combination of also coaching because we had talent. There wasn't, there was no doubt. I mean, there's three pros on that team to include two overseas guys, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, three overseas. I think even maybe Tom Wald maybe had an overseas stint. So I, I, I still fall into it as a combination. I still think there's a combination of that. Let's go back to something though, right? Let's, let's, let's really talk about who right now, Sauter Heyman text line, uh, 402-464-5685. I, I want to know who's overrated in that top ten. I'm I'm oh, interested yeah. to know in that in in the top twenty five out of the coaches poll, we 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 had a list of them, but I I, I really I really want to know because to me, I think Clemson still has a whole lot to prove for them to be jumped up into the top ten after the year that they had last year. So for me, I'm going to throw Clemson into the bag. What say you, Bach? Yeah, and I'm just I was trying to look it up so our, our listeners can hear who was in the top 25 again. Excuse me, the top 10. Uh, once again, almost on a yearly basis, you'll see a top 10 team uh, fall and not finish in the top 25. This year, the top 10 includes Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan, Texas A&M, Utah, Oklahoma, and Baylor. Um, it's... It's kind of crazy, but isn't I mean, wouldn't Oklahoma be one of those teams that you would look at? I mean, they've got um, obviously you know two decades plus of being in the top ten type teams. I mean, very rarely falling outside of that. But they seem uh, they're right. They, they're right. They seem like they're ready. Yeah, they're right. This seems like a, a very much a transition year, in the very least. Um, you know, they're they're at the back end of the top ten. They didn't win the Big Twelve to begin with last year. 
uh, I could see I could see a drop off, and, and hopefully that starts with Nebraska beating them in Memorial Stadium. Um, so I, I definitely have to, to have to include them. Um, Texas a and is another one. Again, did beat Alabama last year, but didn't uh, have a great year that probably warrants a top 10 status. They did, you know, have, have a great recruiting class. But at the same time, it, it's not like they have players in my mind that you just you're just, oh, there's an All-American uh, for sure uh, on their team. I'm not I'm not sure. I just don't see it from from Texas A&M. I could see them also falling down quite a bit, and that's not a, a crazy hot take. They did that two years ago. Uh, was it two years ago? They're ranked number six in the year, and then last year they kind of dropped off a little bit. I, I, I definitely I'm I'm looking at it, and I'm seeing Notre Dame. It's going to depend on how bad o- Ohio State beats them if they do. If Ohio State shellacks them at the shoe, then that could break the hearts and the minds and the and, and, and the soul of the Notre Dame faithful internally. I mean, that that's a make-or-break game, I think, for them. Who wins the ACC out of the, oh with the debacle that it's been this year? It, it, yeah. Do you think Clemson gets it done again? I would probably put them as the favorite. I think that last year was probably an outlier. But, again, you, you've got two new coordinators in there. It's a, it's a change for Dabo Sweeney. He's got to figure out the quarterback position. Um, but you do have to think that they, they're a team that, that probably has a lot of the talent right in there with it. Was we're talking about talent versus coaching. Uh, Dabo certainly gets the, the, the nod for being one of the best modern-day head coaches. So you got that in, involved as well. But – uh, yeah, I would I would have to lean toward Clemson because I mean you look at the other teams it's it's North Carolina State it's Wake Forest, um, you know and and Pittsburgh it's just hard to see those teams having sustained success. Um, maybe Miami, maybe Miami that that'd be a quick turnaround, but the I wouldn't necessarily count it out. They've got a great staff. Um, and a proven head coach, obviously, coming over from Oregon. They grabbed uh, the Michigan's offensive coordinator as well, uh, who I think was a Broyles Award winner last year. So they've got a great staff put together. Tyler Van Dyke's a pretty good quarterback. I could see it, but I, I'd lean toward Clemson, but I wouldn't put them in, in, in at number four. It's more of a, the lean's probably more, you know, put them at, you know, 10 to 12, somewhere around there. They've got, again, you've got to prove it a little bit. I, I, I say there's one more. There's, there's another make-or-break game for me that could determine the whole season for this 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 organization and it is Oregon at number 12 against Georgia I think if their hearts get broken I think you can see a I could think you can see them falling down the map I look also down the way and I got a question for number 15 a lot of people talk about when they go to the to the bars or to the you know there's there's a there's a song how low can you go, how low can you go when you're limboing right when you're yeah. doing a limbo, but I, I want to see how high can SE go. Oh, I know. Talk to me, Bob. That's, that's Where do you say? Let's between you and I right now. How high does you we gonna we gonna write it down on the board? <laughs> it's gonna be. Um, um, Kevin Myers, you take one extra one on Thirsty Thursdays. How high does USC go? Well, again, I don't think they've got a very difficult schedule. You have to worry about going to Utah. Um, other than that, 
and you know it's your normal uh, Stanford's and Oregon State's and Arizona State and Washington State to, to get up into that game. You finish off with UCLA crosstown rivals that can always be interesting in Notre Dame. Um, but as far as rising, they're going to get the benefit of the name. They're going to get the benefit of the flash. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. So we could say it'd be and quite receivers. the turnaround and receivers and running backs. <laughs> so I mean they've 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 put together. Uh, the best class, without a doubt, we can we can say put a, name a pretty on. good class. Put there. put a number on it. I think they'll jump at, at some point in the season. I think they jump to number four. I was gonna say five. <laughs> there you go. I was gonna say five. I think they're I think they're teetering and knocking, and I think the schedule kind of keeps them out. Yeah, I think I think the schedule keeps them out of that four. But I think they're kind of like hovering right there if somebody drops the ball or if it's a, once again in Alabama, Georgia, then they are going to just get knocked down to four. And, or unless Alabama or Georgia takes a double L and uh, they lose like to Oregon early and then Alabama clips them. And then even if they win an AC, they can't get in there. So that's the only way I think they, they pop in. How about this too? LSU uh, missed the preseason coaches poll for the first time since the year 2000 but Brian, they got, did they get didn't they get a um a ba- not a band but uh did they get some no they're fine they just have the the uh, obviously it didn't go well there toward the end of Ed Orgeron's uh tenure and six now and six. yeah now they've got Brian Kelly but i you know with all the Kelly still hanging around yeah, he's, he's he's really good. He's Notre Dame's all time winningest coach. Garbage at Can't LSU. The, the talent there. Well, he's that's why that's why he went. That's why he moved to LSU. I believe is he thought he hit his ceiling at Notre Dame as far as can't win the big one. He needs LSU athletes. I could see them definitely uh, having a good year. I know there's not as much hyper expectation around them as maybe Texas or uh, you know obviously Notre Dame. Who you know they've got the new coach and they're just stuck right there in the top five. I think I think watch out for the Bayou Bengals. Watch out for the Bayou Bengals. That's right. They're going to make a leap. They're going to make a jump. Well, we got to take a break right now. We thank you all again for joining us. Come back. We're going to talk a little bit about what may be the blueprint for NIL. We're definitely going to jump into that and dig in, maybe because something needs to happen. NCAA needs to step up and get some barking, you know, and, and no longer just have the little chihuahua voice. <laughs> but we'll be back. 93.7 The Ticket at TicketFM.com. You're on the block. Thanks, Blockshead. We'll be right back after this.